For the anniversary of Crimea's annexation by Russia, reporter Marcel Theroux visits the disputed territory to follow Nazli Saitablaeva's quest to become the first ever Tatar winner of the Miss Crimea beauty pageant. But not all Crimeans are happy to be part of Russia. Those who lived through repression under Stalin fear what Russian rule may bring. One of these people is Nasli's dad. He's a film director who made an epic film about the 1944 deportation of the Tatar people, during which tens of thousands died. And he's currently in exile in Ukraine. I've come to Crimea exactly a year after its annexation by Russia. Outside a youth centre in the capital Simferopol, 2,000 children are rehearsing for the anniversary celebrations. To anyone of a certain age, a sight like this brings back memories of the old Soviet Union. There's nothing forced about these children. They seem proud and happy to be part of Russia. Twelve months ago, this was Ukraine, but you wouldn't know it now. On the best of all planets, our all-powerful people and president, my motherland, my Russia, my soul, Russia. Tatyana Teodorovna is in charge of these rehearsals. For her, reunification has righted a historic wrong and ended years of neglect. She thinks Crimea should never have been part of Ukraine. We feel that we are at home. We're in our own country. We're happy. 17-year-old Tanya shows me round the palace of youthful creativity, flush with new Russian money. A budding singer, she's been picked to star at the anniversary celebrations. I asked Tanya's group to show me one of the dancers they're learning. They're about to weaponize their dancing. <laughs> Last year, Russia snatched Crimea from Ukraine virtually unopposed. The vast majority of Crimeans are Russian speakers who, like Tanya, seem delighted to be part of Russia and to have avoided the bloodshed in eastern Ukraine. For me, it's very important. Joining Russia has opened the door to my future. Everything has changed. I have more opportunities to break through and become someone. I dream I'll get to study in Moscow. But not all Crimeans are so happy to be part of Russia. I've come to the town of Bakshisarai, the old capital of the Crimean Tatars, a Muslim minority who've lived here for centuries. I'm on my way to a party. 
Nazli Setablayeva has invited me to her grandmother's birthday. Hello, I'm Marcel. Hello, I'm Golnara. Nice to meet you. Three generations of her family are here to celebrate. But there's one person missing. Nazli's dad. He's a director and he made this epic film about the deportation of the entire Crimean Tatar people in 1944 by Stalin. It was the culmination of centuries of distrust. Tens of thousands died. Nazli's dad, Akhtem Setablayev, also starred in it. He's now in exile in Ukraine because he opposed the Russian annexation. Nazli was also in the film. She's been acting since she was six, but this role was special. It was disturbing because when I saw old people being forced into trucks, my heart froze. You understand that really happened to your own grandparents and your distant relatives, your great-grandparents. It was terrible. It was a great honour to be involved in the project. Nazli's grandparents lived through the deportation. My father fought in Japan and in World War II. When he returned, his parents had already been taken away. His parents died on the journey. The dead were just thrown out of the train. I was four when our people were deported. I was ill and I remember being hidden in a trunk. If you were ill, they'd take you off the train and you'd never see your parents again. In the last days of the Soviet Union, as restrictions loosened, Nazli's family moved back here, along with many other Crimean Tatars. They're now 12% of the population. Nazli's performing one of the dances they brought back to their homeland. But since the Russian takeover, many Crimean Tatars are weighing up their futures. Some, like Nazli's dad, have chosen exile. Others, like Nazli, are waiting to see if there are still opportunities for them under Russian rule. <laughs> Bravo. Early the next day, I'm at a university that was set up for the returning Crimean Tatars. Nazli's also here, rehearsing. This isn't part of the official celebrations, it's the annual Miss Crimea beauty pageant. If Nazli can be the first Crimean Tatar to win, it would make history for her people, but it would have a more personal meaning for her. It would mean someone whose father is a dissident is still welcome in the new Crimea. She's competing against women from 12 of Crimea's different ethnic groups. 
Each contestant deserves to win. Over the last few days, there's been fierce rivalry. To start, we were all friendly. Now it's everyone for themselves. Katya Piritiatka founded the competition. This is its 10th year, but the first since Crimea became Russian. What's the aim of the competition? To reflect the diversity of Crimea and the variety of people living together. This project has been a great success and I really hope it continues that way. Why? Don't mind me, that's just my nerves. Okay. has got good reason to feel stressed. The contest has already been delayed by a year because of the annexation. This isn't an easy moment to be celebrating tolerance and diversity. Crimea's new Russian status is not recognized by the rest of the world and is disputed by Ukraine. The two countries are virtually at war. In this tense atmosphere, there's another anniversary. This is a Ukrainian national hero, Taras Shevchenko, whose birthday it is today. He's something like Robbie Burns's for the Scottish. But these celebrations, for obvious reasons, have to be very discreet. Under Ukraine, this was a national holiday. Today, only student Christina is brave enough to be here. Her nails painted the colors of the Ukrainian flag. Is this respect for Shevchenko? Yes. That's why I came. Can you speak openly about Ukraine? There's a lot I'd like to say, but I can't now. You look sad. I'm sad about what's going on between the two countries. People are dying. Because of these two colours, people can be taken to court. Christina tells me some people have just been arrested for waving the Ukrainian flag. I go to the police station. This is an illegal item on Russian territory, and because of it, I have to go to court tomorrow. I go with the three men who've been charged with displaying political symbols as they meet a lawyer. Even before their case is heard, one of them's been punished. Leonid, what is your job? I was a teacher, but from today I'm not. Why? I was sacked today. Who sacked you? The head. She said I'm engaged in subversive activity in school and I'm harming the Russian state. With that reputation, 25-year-old Leonid doesn't seem to have much chance of teaching again. But on Simferopol's main square, someone else is coming back into favour. Lenin is getting a makeover. Meanwhile, Nazli has asked me to an event. As a leading young Crimean Tatar, she's been invited to a cultural evening. It's billed as a celebration of spring traditions. 
But as soon as the music stops, the meeting's taken over by two Crimean Tatars employed by the government. They've come with a message for those Tatars still opposed to the Russian annexation, like Nazli's dad. It's important for Crimean Tatars not to be used as tools of the US State Department. At home, is anyone discussing leaving Crimea? Is anyone thinking they can't see a future and they're ready to leave? Nazli keeps quiet. Oh, it's in my bag. As a foreign journalist, I'm an object of suspicion. We're making a documentary film about the anniversary, and we need your consent. It depends how you're going to present it. It's the morning of the competition. Nazli will soon be under the spotlight. How did you sleep? You're looking good. Thanks, but I slept badly. I went to bed at 3 a.m. and overslept till 9 a.m. Her mother, Zarema, tells me it's a tense time. She's moved back in with her elderly parents to save money. The economy is unstable because of the changes. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. I make a living arranging weddings and parties, but people are cutting back. So because of that, my business has been quiet. But in spite of her money worries, Zarema's sparing no expense to give Nazli the best chance of winning. Victory would mean a lot to both of them. Next stop, Lenin Square for the contest. One of the rounds of the competition is a bake-off. Nazli's bringing baklava. As the clock ticks down, tension mounts. The competition is a big deal, televised by broadcasters from across Russia. Miss Crimea 2015. Among the onstage guests is one of the most powerful men in Crimea, Dmitry Polonsky. There's the new Minister of Information, in case anyone needed reminding that here we are in the new Russian Crimea. Our thanks to the organizers who kept this going while we weren't in our own country, though we always knew in our hearts we were Russians. With Russian supremacy established, the celebration of diversity can begin. The contestants include Crimeans with Armenian, Bulgarian, and even German ancestry a legacy of Crimea's complex history. There's so much drive, 
so much energy. Does it break a leg? Here we go, this is Nazli's big moment in the spotlight. Her chance to bring it home for the Tartar people. Nazli's by far the most experienced performer, as she's viewed as a front runner. She's one of six Crimean Tartars in the competition. There's a break for the judges to sample the baking. Very nice. We'll give it a five. And someone has turned up fashionably late. In parts of Ukraine, they pulled down statues of Lenin as a symbol of Russian rule in the former Soviet Union. It's amazing to see that here he's been relaunched. He's just in time. The results are about to be announced. Everyone gets a prize for taking part. But only one woman will become Miss Crimea. Who will it be? Miss Extravagance, the Russian? It might look greedy in a year when Russia's taken everything else. Miss Uniqueness, the Ukrainian, probably not this year. Miss Harmony, the German, a shoo-in if it goes to penalties. Or will it be Miss Charm, Nazli Setoblayeva, the daughter of a Tatar dissident? And the winner is Ava Setomarova. It's a bittersweet result. A Crimean Tatar wins but it's not Nazli. I'm sad for Nazli. A victory would have proved that her father's reputation was no obstacle in Russian Crimea. Now she's left wondering more than ever if it is. It's time for a spring clean at the government building seized by Russian soldiers last year. But as the anniversary of the takeover draws near, another commemoration is taking place, almost in secret. It's also been exactly a year since the funeral of Rishat Armetov. According to Crimean Tatar custom, his family has gathered to remember the father of three. On March 3rd last year, while Russian soldiers guarded the government offices, a small crowd assembled including Rishat, who was a Tatar activist. Suddenly, some men in the uniform of a local pro-Russian militia marched him away. They can be seen in this video forcing Rishat into a car. They later told police they didn't know the driver who dropped them off and drove Rishat to an unknown location. Zarina tells me about the terrible moment when she identified her husband's body. His ribs were broken, 
He was covered in bruises. They must have given him electric shocks. His brother tells us they're desperate for justice. It touched all Crimean Tatars in Ukraine and Russia. Until the killers are found, we won't be able to live in peace. The killers are walking among us. So far, despite the existence of the video, the police had made no arrests. Last week we received a letter. It said they had stopped the investigation and they hadn't found the killers. Despite the letter sent to the family, the Crimean authorities told us investigations are ongoing. They say the prime suspect is in Ukraine and can't be arrested. As well as Rishat, five other activists were murdered last year. No one's been charged. I catch up with Nazli during a driving lesson. She's been thinking about her future. They won't give me any chance here to fulfill myself, however sad that may sound. Does it make you sad? Yes, I don't want to leave Crimea. I know lots of young people who have left Crimea. That's a shame. It's young people who are the future. We are Crimean Tatars, and our roots are here. Wherever we are, we'll always feel sad. Three weeks later, Nazli would leave for Ukraine. The big day has arrived, the anniversary of the Russian takeover that's been branded the Crimean Spring. I'm here with Tanya, the 17-year-old whose moment has finally come. She's about to sing her solo in praise of Russia. She wants to do her new country proud. It's an emotional song for me. Why emotional? It's hard to explain. The song is very easy to sing, but because so much has happened for me, it's very special. For the Russian majority, the Crimean Spring is the fulfillment of a long-held dream. But for Nazli and others, it feels like the beginning of another exile. On the best of all planets, our all-powerful people and president, my motherland, my Russia, my soul, Russia.
Thank you for listening to the Unreported World Spring 2015 podcast. Please join Facebook and Twitter to tell us what you think, feel or want to hear more about. And don't forget, you can listen and watch the critically acclaimed Unreported World back catalogue on iTunes, Channel 4 and YouTube. See you in the autumn for more insights into the lives of people in some of the fastest changing places in the world.